Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. We're at episode number 1539 right now and we've got this and one other episode about Solo, A Star Wars Story, the expanded edition. That's what they're calling the novelization of Solo, A Star Wars Story, the movie. And today we're going to be talking about the final series of double crosses and in particular Kara's motivations, which I have to say were a little bit puzzling to me to some degree in the movie because I think she had more to lose than anybody else in this whole exchange and the novelization only deepened that experience for me. So yes, of course, they could have all gotten killed, but as you might recall from an earlier podcast, there was that thing about how some of Dryden Voss's uh, out, uh, wow, that just, <laughs> word just flew out of my head. Uh, some of his opponents, some of his rivals, how they ultimately ended up with a fate worse than death, that they were put in suspended animation and just kept around in his office. You know, very macabre, to be sure. And, you know, if anybody was going to suffer that fate, it probably would have been Kira over anyone else. So why exactly did Kira go along with the double cross, especially if she had any reservations about it succeeding. Well, as it turns out, there is a reason given in the novelization, and it has to do with the story that Emphis Nest tells about a people that were plundered for a particular resource they had, and when the people finally said no more, the plunderers came and cut out all their tongues so that they wouldn't be able to talk anymore, and that it was Crimson Dawn that had done that. And so Han actually gives Kira kind of a, you know, not a dirty look or anything like that, but a real kind of like, hmm, wondering look, and thinks to himself that, yeah, I kind of understand why she doesn't really want to talk about things that might have gone on in the past while she's been with Crimson Dawn. However, it is made clear in the novelization that Kira was not a party to this particular act of cruelty. And in fact, it is an act of cruelty that puts her over the edge in terms of her relationship with Dryden Voss. Now, earlier in the novelization, when Kira and L3 have their time chatting in the cockpit, something that L3 says really kind of shoots to the heart of Kira's conflict with everything going on. L3 says, where's your restraining bolt? And she's thinking about, yeah, what's keeping me from getting free? And ultimately she uses this opportunity to kill Dryden Voss and to get another layer of freedom. Granted, she's gonna have to work with Maul as a result, but in her estimation, it is still going to allow her to have more freedom and more control over her own destiny than working with Dryden Voss will. And the narrative does say that she's only had one previous encounter with Maul and that had been terrifying enough, but apparently the prospect of working with Dryden Voss versus ditching him and working with Maul, you know, I guess <laughs> she decided that one terror was better than another. 
At the very least, I guess she can continue her Terras Kasi training with Maul because we're given to understand that Dryden Voss was taught the nuances of Terras Kasai, the martial art that's designed to counter the Jedi, by Maul himself. So, at least she's got that going <laughs> for her. Meanwhile, Han, of course, is, you know, duped as he continues to be throughout this by one person and yet another who says that they're going to do one thing and does another. And as he goes chasing after Beckett and Chewbacca, the scene that unfolds where you know, they have their final confrontation, Han believes Beckett to be the fastest draw in the galaxy and knows that there's no chance that he's going to beat him at it. And so really, you know, the whole thing about shooting him right there is self-preservation more than anything else. And I know that as we watch the movie, there's a big ha 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 Han shot first reaction to it, right? But, you know, there is more going on in his head and more calculation in it other than just a simple, you know, I'm just going to shoot you kind of situation. And there is also a clear demonstration of emotion over it and him not wanting to have had to shoot Beckett. And we're actually going to talk about that as a character trait over the weekend. So, you know, that's going to be something we dig into a little bit deeper about Han because it's revealed something and, you know, this whole movie and this whole novelization have really kind of sketched out one very particular aspect to his personality and, you know, hammered it home, especially so in Solo A Star Wars Story. And very interestingly, you can see the result of that particular situation unfolding through the movies and also even into The Force Awakens as well. So, you know, enough teasing about that. Instead, we're going to take a quick break and have a brief word from our friends at Nissan, and then we'll talk about Enfys Nest and Han Solo's final encounter after the break. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. If you haven't checked out Nissan's Best in the Galaxy customizer, then what's keeping you? Here's the link to do it real quick. It's sw7x7.com slash custom. That'll get you right there. You can customize a Rogue, an Ultima, or a Titan and give it a design inspired by the Millennium Falcon, by an Imperial Heavy TIE Fighter, Moloch's Landspeeder, or four other different designs. Check it out, sw7x7.com slash custom. And hey, Solo A Star Wars Story is now available on digital and it's coming September 25th on Blu-ray and new in 4K Ultra HD as well. Welcome back. Alright, so after everything has gone down, Enfys Nest and Han Solo have one last interaction. And, you know, the whole thing about how Enfys Nest said that they were going to keep the coaxium and that Han didn't want to give the coaxium to Dryden Voss, it was rather daring to say the least to actually bring the coaxium onto the first light, the star yacht, because you know, if things went wrong, then, you know, they would have taken off with the coaxium. Enfys Nest would have had nothing. Granted, Enfys Nest and crew had nothing to begin with anyway. So I guess they could have tried to take out the first light and see if they could have done it that way. But I think it would be really hard to try to attack that ship without also having the coaxium, you know, go bluey and destroy everything within a <laughs> five parsec radius. But be that as it may... Emphis Ness decided to trust Han Solo with his crazy plan, and part of part of her didn't believe that 
he was actually going to follow through with it, you know, let alone whether he was going to be able to pull it off. So there's actually a moment of surprise when Han and Chewie show up again back with Enfys Nest and her Cloud Riders and carrying the coaxium and give it to them. And so, you know, that's part of also, I think, what fuels, no pun intended, her giving him a vial of coaxium as payment. She could have given him a few more, I think, but, you know. That's all right. She has bigger things in mind for the coaxium anyway, as we talked about in a previous episode, because the epilogue of the novel talks about her encounter with Saw Gerrera and giving him the coaxium so that he can go do God knows what else as part of this spark of rebellion that they're helping to foment. But anyway, I think that coaxium, that vial that she gives to Han, that has to do with something about them being able to get off Savarine because we still are not told how it is they get to wherever Lando is at the end of the movie. That is still not revealed as to whether, you know, they got a different ship on Savarine or they got the Cloud Riders to take them and drop them off someplace where they could buy a ship. How that all worked, we still don't know. All we know is that they got to that jungle planet and we will talk about what happened there at, you know, the at the part of tomorrow's episode where that's going to happen. In addition, we're going to talk about the final review of the Solo A Star Wars Story Expanded Edition novelization, which means that's going to do it for today. But I just want to say, if you're not subscribing, then by all means, please do. If you're not supporting the podcast on Patreon, then by all means, please do at patreon.com slash SW7X7. And I just want to say, as usual and as always, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.